Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Welcome to another Conspiracy Unlimited Plus episode for my premium subscribers. Thanks, as always, for your support. Joel Skousen is with us once again. He is the editor and publisher of World Affairs Brief. Joel, welcome back. It's been a while. How are you? It has, Richard. Thank you very much. And uh, lots going on in the world. Always is these days. Uh, First of all, how do we subscribe? Well, people can go to uh, worldaffairsbrief.com, my website, and uh, click on Request a Sample. I suggest people do that first to read, uh, you know, what I'm talking about. I do cover the Ukraine situation in last week's brief, which you'll get as a sample, and it tells you how to subscribe in the sample brief. All right. Well, it's a yeah. modest subscription, about a dollar a week. So let's talk Ukraine. Is is an invasion imminent? Is Russia ready to pour over the border? Well. They they really do need to, uh, if if he's got any intention at all of taking back Ukraine. Uh, he's sitting there in the wintertime, and the the ground starts to soften in March, so he's really got a month, uh, you know, or a month and a half uh, to do this invasion. Otherwise, he gets bogged down in the mud. Uh, but it's uh, it looks very, very real and very, very imminent. He still keeps moving in troops all the time. Now he's moved in S-400. Uh, anti-aircraft missiles to deter or take down any uh, 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 Ukrainian aircraft to get through the missile barrage that I think will start this war. Is Are we looking at, as Joe Biden would say, a minor incursion? In other words, is Putin intent on perhaps liberating the Russian-speaking minority in eastern Ukraine, or does he want the whole kit and caboodle? Well, eventually he wants the whole kit and caboodle. And there are signs this time around that he's not interested just in eastern Ukraine. That was the whole purpose of the stealth invasion there and by Russian troops dressed in uh, civilian mufti and, uh, you know, and three years ago. But uh, now he's got troops clear up around Belarus, which is precious few kilometers from uh, Kiev, which indicates that he may be interested in doing a pincers uh, uh, movement that is cutting off western Ukraine and then gobbling up the whole country. So the U.S. has rejected Russia's demand to bar Ukraine from NATO. Um, What other cards does the United States have? Well, they have the sanctions card, which really isn't going to go anywhere because, you you know, uh, Europe does not want to be cut off from the uh, Nord Stream pipeline of gas from Russia. And even though Biden has said that... uh, He'll, he'll make it up with, uh, you know, uh, liquefied natural gas from either the United States or a cut, a cutter. Um, that's not going to happen. Cutter sells most of its uh, LNG gas to China and Asia and has to fulfill all those content. There isn't anything left over for Europe. And it's a long, arduous manufacturing process to, you know, liquefy and pressurize natural gas for, uh, for shipment. So it's, you know, that's a limited promise that I don't think he's going to be able to make good on. Uh, What about the U.S. authorizing $200 in military aid? Well, uh, you know, that's already been going out, javelin missiles and stinger missiles, et cetera. But none of that can stop a blitzkrieg of uh, missile barrage taking down all air bases and major military bases in Ukraine, and that's the way Russia's going to fight a war. They're not going to just roll across with tanks and face javelin missiles. 
that the U.S. has imported. And, and that's another reason why it may come sooner rather than later before, you know, Ukrainians get trained on the Javelin missiles and deployed. Uh, so it's uh, that, but you know Republicans and Democrats are now all on board. Uh, they're talking about another 486 billion dollar uh, military emergency aid package. They're talking about in Congress right now. Uh, it just seems like everybody's on board, but nobody's really thinking strategically here. No amount of aid can help if you just get overwhelmed. I mean, you'd have to put in as sophisticated an anti-missile system as Israel has in order to stop uh, the Russians from using their Iskander and and other short-range missiles from blitzing the country. It just, you know, the the kind of aid the U.S. is sending over is not going to help, and 8,500 more troops over to Europe is a token response, but it's not going to help either. Biden has already put off the table any involvement of U.S. troops in this uh, conflict with Russia. Right. That would be another feather in Biden's cap after the Afghanistan debacle. Yeah. Let's attack Russia in the winter. Where have we heard that before? (laughs) Yeah. And uh, it's uh, and Biden has also said, uh, you know, Americans, you better get out now. There will be no evacuation plan. Shades of Afghanistan again. We're not going to help you evacuate. So better get out on commercial flights. But that's getting very difficult as the border restrictions are very, very heavy now, even Ukrainians can't get out without a good excuse. So it sounds as if the United States has no intention of going to war with Russia. Uh, so what is this all about? Is this just a distraction for Biden, who's just flailing hopelessly at home? Well, he is, but it's... it's. Um it's the beginning stages of the reconstitution of the old Soviet uh, regime, as your listeners may have heard from our previous interviews. The fall of the Soviet Union was a carefully crafted deception. They never really did fall. The Communist Party went underground. They were the ones that dictated to East Germany and others to let the riots go forward, to not have the Stasi stop them, the KGB didn't stop the the protesters in Red Square, you know, that were supporting Yeltsin. In fact, I saw a documentary from Russians about the uh, the so-called fall, and they said, you know, the big question we could never understand, where were the KGB? They were always around us every time we'd ever, you know, do anything in public, but they were gone. So, so if this is... It re- was a carefully crafted deception. If, if this is reconstituting the old Soviet empire... What will be the next domino to fall after Ukraine? Well, I don't think they'll be able to take back any of the states that have joined NATO just because that would trigger a war with the United States. And they don't want to trigger a conventional war. They want to wait until there's a justification to do a nuclear pre- uh, preemptive strike on U.S. military targets. And I think that trigger event is, is Korea. I think the whole purpose that... Uh, China has supported and built up this crazy guy, Kim Jong-un, in, in, in North Korea and armed him to the teeth with all the kinds of missiles, including hypersonic missiles. That's going to be the trigger for World War III. They're going to attack South Korea. And the North is going to attack South Korea, and the U.S. has to respond there because we've got 47,000 troops there. We don't have anything in except a few advisors in Ukraine and Taiwan, and they'll be out before conflict starts. So there's no real demand from the public to go in and save our troops, but there would be in Korea. Why not just guarantee Russia that NATO will not uh, include Ukraine? 
Well, because you want to remember, this is a globalist, very interesting conspiracy to build two enemies that will eventually attack us and then deny any information to the American people, but to allow them to get a well. Basically, you know, the U.S. throughout all the years of intervention in Afghanistan and Iraq, they built the, the reputation as the bully of the world. And that created a lot of hostility towards the United States around the world. And now that Russia is going to begin to show their aggressiveness and China is going to be able to show their aggressiveness now that they've built up strong enough that the U.S. can't go head to head with them without a major war. And... Uh, so the, so basically, they have to wait till Russia and China uh, attack us. They can't start it themselves, and they don't want to start it themselves. They want to appear to be the victims when Russia and China attack the U.S. Uh, military and try to blackmail the West into submission. That's why the nuclear strike on U.S. forces, we have military bases, only not cities. They don't want to destroy the infrastructure. They want to neuter the military and, and blackmail us into submission. And, uh, you know, the globalists are going to want to say, oh, we didn't know about this. Of course, they've known about it. They've been building these two enemies and letting them steal technology and giving them technology for decades and decades. They want this war because that's the only way you get Americans into a militarized global government is a war, a war in which we get decapitated. That is our military so that we feel defenseless. What better excuse for the globalists to come out of their bunkers and they're not telling Americans to defend for war, but they've got their own bunkers and then say, you know, our only choice now is to join together with other Western nations in the militarized global government. And it'll work. You thought 9-11 was effective. You thought COVID-19 was effective at getting people herded into control mechanisms. Wait till there's a nuclear attack with an EMP strike that takes down the grid. Oh, dear. Uh, you're also warning of another uh, missile threat in Latin America, a repeat of the missiles of October going back to 62. Tell me about it. Well, it's interesting that it's Russia that is putting out this propaganda through RT, etc. You know, about a secret shipment of, of cargo on ships. Well, you know, who knows whether it's secret or not. We never inspect ships that go to Venezuela or Cuba anymore after the Cuban Missile Crisis. But it's only reasonable that, that Russia would, in fact, want to install... Uh, medium-range missiles again in Latin America if they're going to do a preemptive strike on U.S. militaries. And certainly Venezuela and Cuba would be willing to host that. Now, to be true, uh, to be honest, we never did inspect Cuba to see if those missiles were taken out. The ships that left them had tarpaulins over everything, so even our uh, surveillance planes couldn't tell if the missiles were actually taken out. And remember, in the nuclear uh, Intermediate Nuclear Forces Treaty of Europe, the Russians never did take their missiles out of Bulgaria and Romania. They were still there after the phony fall of the Soviet Union, proving that they had uh, you know, cheated on the treaty, even though we destroyed all of our Pershing missiles. Joel Skousen, editor and publisher of World Affairs Brief. Once again, Joel, how do we subscribe? You go to worldaffairsbrief.com and click on Request a Sample and explain to people how to do that. Getting back to a Russian nuclear threat. Uh, there's a third story, and this one involves a Russian missile sub surfacing off the U.S. coast. Tell me about that. Well, the, yeah, the United States tracks, uh, and, and you know, the, mil the Russians say, and 
the media says that you can't track, trust, track these submarines, but the U.S. has really high-tech satellite technology that can track even the slight ripple in the ocean that you know, tracks a missile submarine uh, around. And, and these Bore class missiles are huge. I mean, submarines are huge, about twice as big as a normal submarine. Um, so, you know, it was for basically show of force propaganda, surface out there over the Atlantic coast and make your presence shown and kind of give a veiled threat that we can nuke your nation. Now, the media was putting out all kinds of hype that this missile, there's enough missiles on there to destroy the entire United States infrastructure. And that's just absolutely not true. These are fairly small warheads on these things. Um, uh, they just, uh, you know, they're for area weapons, and the Russians don't intend to use them uh, against cities. Uh, they want military targets, most of which require ground burst weapons, like all your missile fields, etc. And so the submarines are not useful uh, for that. They're for airburst generally only and uh, specific targets. But it was a veiled threat that, look, you want to risk nuclear war, then just try to stop us from taking back Ukraine. Uh, I don't believe you addressed this in the latest edition of World Affairs Brief, but while we're on the topic of communist regimes invading other countries, let's talk about China and Taiwan. Uh, is Once the Winter Olympics are, are over, do you foresee China moving against Taiwan? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're not doing overflights and intrusions into the air defense zone almost on a daily basis with up to 30 and 40, sometimes 72 aircraft for nothing. It's just like the Russians aren't camped on the Ukrainian border for nothing. There's got to be a purpose there. That eats up a lot of money and a lot of training and a lot of time. Now, the, the Chinese are, first of all, trying to wear out Taiwanese aircraft rising to the defense. They're also trying to get, you know, and they have got all kinds of signature reads on the anti or electronic uh, jamming capabilities of, uh, of the Taiwanese so they can blitz through that. But once again, that war, I think, is going to happen after the Winter Olympics. They might even coordinate with, um, with Russia to do a strike at the same time so the U.S. administration is faced with a two-front war if they should decide to contest these things. Now, the U.S. has just put two aircraft carrier task forces into the South China Sea. Now, that's not in, right in between Taiwan and China. That's in the South China Sea, and they're you know, probably you know, two or three days steaming away from, uh, from entering into that conflict. But it's kind of a subtle message, again, that we've got forces there to deter you but it wouldn't work because Taiwan can, t I mean, uh, China with a missile blitz into that uh, and then insertion of uh, troops by air can take that country in two to three days how before the U.S. even get there. How much of Russia and China's um, aggressiveness and confidence in pulling these off has to do with the weakness of the U.S. president? I think there is something to that. Um, it is not true, by the way, that Biden is controlled by China just because Hunter has taken money from the Chinese, lots of money. Uh, the globalists control the Bidens, lock, stock, and barrel. They're puppets of the globalists. They don't. The globalists don't mind if the Chinese, you know, give them some millions, or even if the Chinese think they control the president. They don't. Uh, but nevertheless. What's probably more thrilling to the Chinese and the Russians is the dumbing down of the military through this political correctness, LBGTQ, transgender nonsense, and the COVID vaccination driving out your good people out of the military. Uh, 
um, this is what uh, they're really relishing is that specter of uh, feminized, integrated military that is not going to be effective. So once China invades Taiwan, Russia invades Ukraine, and America's weakness is is evident for all to see. Is this going to embolden other regimes, let's say Iran? I don't think so. Uh, Iran's main enemy is going to be Israel, and Israel is probably going to start this war with an attack on you know the Iranian reactors. Uh, Iran has been very, very resilient about uh, uh, not responding to Israeli aggression about all their military forces in Syria and elsewhere that Israel has been attacking almost daily. And the Iranians are pretty sharp about that. I mean, it is, this is not a benevolent regime. I'm not defending them because they're nice people. Uh, the, the Iranians themselves used to be pretty pro-Western, and uh, you know, but there was a Muslim resolution, uh, revolution which our CIA funded and and kept uh, the Ayatollah in his digs in Paris apartment at CIA expense. Our deep states beyond most are behind most of these terrorist organizations secretly. Uh, but uh, I don't think that it's going to embolden Iran. They've got a different time schedule. But boy, that would be a triple threat if Iran or if Israel and if Israel is going to start this, Iran is not. So if Israel starts a war with Iran and Iran then has to take on American troops, you'd have a triple threat to the United States, and we certainly wouldn't be able to respond to that. We'd be hard-pressed to respond to two. All right, let's shift gears. Uh, well, you mentioned COVID and the COVID vaccine, which has driven some of the best and brightest out of the U.S. military. Um, a lot of people are, are hoping, maybe it's wishful thinking, but they're looking at Omicron as COVID's last gasp. Often pandemics usually kind of go out with a whimper, uh, a less deadly strain of the virus what say you is omicron the last gasp well this this virus is going to be around for a long time just like the common cold and it's uh, it's pretty stiff i had a bout with it and i didn't have any of the respiratory problems but i had uh, extreme weakness for about two weeks and uh, in fact ivermectin and hydrochlorine didn't do anything for me it took uh, product called Allison C, the, the garlic concentrate with vitamin C to, to kick it, which it did very rapidly. But um, Omicron is a much milder form. And, you know, there's still a lot of hospitalizations with the junk food eating, obese Americans and aged Americans who are not healthy, but the deaths are down uh, as they should be. And a lot of those hospitalizations and deaths are being blamed on Omicron when they're actually adverse reactions to the vaccine and the weakening of the system by the vaccine. And that's the biggest cover-up. The biggest story I'm covering in this week's World Affairs Brief is the fact that only 5% of the batches of all three vaccines are causing all the damage on VAERS because VAERS tracks the batches when you have a vaccine injury. 5%. Now, it's not a gradual curve, as you would think, if this were just contamination or bad manufacturing process you think some of these batches have a few adverse some of these have 20 percent some of them have 30 percent but you know when when fifth when five percent just a narrow band have all the vaccine injuries then you realize this is a conspiracy to test and damage people but only a small percentage so it doesn't destroy people's confidence in vaccines you know a lot of people have said because of the danger of these vaccines, oh, this is going to kill everybody within two years. No, it won't. 
because the vaccine is a bioweapon. The vaccine, this vaccine mRNA is very, very dangerous, very, very untested. And, uh, you know, even the inventor of the technology or one of the co-inventors, uh, Robert Malone, got it and uh, he's against it now. He almost died from it. And it was a very, very tough go. So so why why contaminate uh, certain batches and not others? What's the what's the well, game here? First of all, there's a my. Uh, what is the website? It's uh, howbadismybatch.com or something like that. Uh, they've been tracking where those bad batches were sent, and most of them went to red states, by the way, which indicates a conspiratorial view to specifically damage. But clearly, the only reason you want to do 5% is because if you did a widespread, it would destroy people's confidence in vaccines. Now, being only 5%, the establishment can deny that there's any variation or there's any causation with the VAERS data, which is underreported by 1% to 10% uh, in, in the vaccine imagery. And there's still, nobody's, nobody's uh, investigated. The CDC doesn't want any autopsies done. They don't want any investigation correlating and investigating vaccine where these spike proteins are showing up in the myocarditis epidemic and the neurological diseases that are, you know, damaged and the damaged organs that are happening with this vaccine. But you can see by keeping it to 5% to a small percentage, they keep the general public from buying into the Kool-Aid about this being safe and effective. So many people are celebrating the uh, the Supreme Court uh, striking down the uh, the OSHA mandate, the OSHA mandate uh, on uh, Biden's mandate for employers who employ 100 and 100 yeah. or more people uh you you have a set of, a sort of a different take on that yeah they didn't actually strike it down they simply reinstated the injunction while the court the sixth district goes through and decides on the merits but the biden administration this week decided to withdraw the mandate on their own i think because they got inside information that the courts were not going to decide in their favor on the merits and to avoid that embarrassment they decided to pull it on their own so it's gone now all right we also had a texas federal judge strike down the federal worker mandate what's going to happen and that, there yeah. and that in fact uh, motivated the uh, biden administration as well to pull it so now all those those uh, court cases are moot and they go away. And so the Biden administration evades a major court uh, disaster. So we have increasingly more and more countries, Denmark, the Netherlands, the United Kingdom, dropping virtually all of their COVID restrictions and mandates. Is this thing starting- Not all of them, but most of them, right. Right. Is this thing finally starting to unwind or- uh... No, no, here's what's happening. The politicians are reading the tea leaves and seeing that people are just fed up with these restrictions. And they're not withdrawing the vaccine mandates. That's where the real bioweapon is now. It's pushing the vaccine. Never before have we seen such a demand that everybody take this vaccine. Dr. Fauci is now saying four-year-olds need to take this. And that's criminal. They're not even susceptible to this, uh, uh, to this covid and um, so that seems to be the major battle, and they're giving up on the unpopularity of the uh, mask and the social distancing and the other types of lesser things, but they're not giving up on the vaccine mandate stuff. 
the, the push to vaccinate everyone. They want a hundred percent vaccination. I have a theory. It's not just mine. I mean, I've, I've heard it elsewhere. And that is they want to eliminate the control group. Is that, does that make sense? Well, yeah, they've been doing that for years though. Uh, they claim they have a control group, but then they vaccinate them after a couple of months and they eliminate the control group or they don't give them an actual placebo of saline solution. They give them another vaccine so that they all have some side effects so it doesn't highlight the damage effects of the of the test vaccine. So that's been going on for a long time. So in other words, in, in 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, when all the chickens come home to roost and we see people with uh, autoimmune diseases and so forth, they can't blame it on the vaccine because right. they won't have a population to compare it to. Although in the United States, the real, uh, an accurate poll came out and 31% of the people are not taking the vaccine. That's a big percentage. So that's that's why they're pushing so hard and, and why they're getting all these woke corporations to demand the vaccine, even though the Biden administration is going away. The, most of the corporations are still doubling down on this, as well as state governments. And the Biden administration is, uh, has in, invited that. Um, but still, athletes are keeling over, soccer players especially, uh, having a tough time with myocarditis with this vaccine. Joel Skousen, editor and publisher of World Affairs Brief, worldaffairsbrief.com. Have you been following the the big freedom convoy happening up here in Canada? Yes, uh, and Canada saying they're not going to back down on the vaccine mandate for truckers. But uh, I had thought and covered in the World Affairs Brief that they did back down uh, temporarily uh, when the truckers uh, said they were going to strike. Well, but I guess that wasn't true. Uh, they did kind of a, a an about face. First of all, the information was leaked out that that uh, I guess Transport Canada had backed down, and then within forty eight hours they reversed that again. There was a great deal of confusion. The announcement was rolled out in total chaos, uh, and uh, the, the the federal government claimed it was simply a miscommunication. So <laughs> I'm not sure if they were playing chicken or what was going on there. Yeah, yeah. So, but obviously, this shows you how, I mean, Canada is a real test case as well as Australia. I mean, these, these leaders are rabid about pushing this vaccine, even much more so in the United States. It's incredible what, you know, Australia has been doing. You, you followed the Novak Djokovic yes. tennis star case in Australia. I mean, it's just incredible how they look bad in the world about giving him a visa and then revoking it and putting him in uh, you know, hotel confinement that was very, very substandard and just trying to make an example and then, and then deporting him, which will keep him from ever coming back to Australia. And then the other tennis uh, tournaments are following suit and requiring the vaccine, so he has nowhere to go now except retire. I mean, this is really a global conspiracy. It is. It is. Here in Canada, uh, we have a travel ban. If you're unvaccinated, you cannot get on a plane, a train, or a marine vessel, which means there are about 6 million unvaccinated Canadians. It'll be more once they mandate you must have the booster, and more and more Canadians decide they've had enough, they're not getting the third shot. So right now, 6 million plus Canadians are virtual prisoners in their own country. They can't leave. Yeah, it's just, um, as I say, it's a very clear uh, conspiracy. I mean, uh, this is just, uh, I mean, uh, the virus is really winding down. Uh, you know, as, as virologists, the good ones have all said, you know, viruses always continue to mutate. 
they may get a little more transmissible, but they always get less dangerous. They never mutate to more dangerous. And that's what we're seeing in Omicron. It's just, you know, a non-event for most people, except for the older and the, the people who succumb to pneumonia and other things during the wintertime. They're having a tough time in hospitalization, but they're all coming out of it generally. Very few people are dying. And nobody dying exclusively of Omicron. Nobody. Right. Well, they finally... Finally, the CDC admitted uh, that something like 75% of COVID deaths had a minimum of four serious comorbidities, which echoes something that the Italian version of the CDC said almost two years ago. They were reporting very early on something like 90% of their population that was dying from COVID were dying with COVID and many, many underlying comorbidities. Yeah, and that's been the general statistic. Only about 10% died of COVID exclusively, and they were all, they were still unhealthy. Uh, they didn't have, uh, you know, but they were overweight. Uh, they didn't ever exercise. They were sedentary, and, uh, you know, Italians are famous for that. Uh, but, you know, it's really interesting in Italy that uh, in February 2020, they were having this major flu epidemic, and suddenly there were no more flus reported. It just all turned into COVID, or they claimed that they were COVID. But that's because of the PCR test. You know, the PCR test can't determine the difference between COVID and the flu. So naturally, they could label everything COVID after they started using that terrible, bogus PCR test. And they're still using it, even though CDC has withdrawn authorization for it. Well, they still, that's, still that's being how, used. Right, because they that's their one element or their weapon to drive fear is uh, to drive that's the case right. numbers. It's the cases, the cases. And I don't care about cases. Let's talk about real people who are sick and whether or not they've got comorbidities or whether or not they're healthy and getting sick. And the healthy and getting sick are very rare and they're all recovering. Joel, once again, how do we subscribe to World Affairs Brief? Well, the World Affairs Brief costs $48 a year, and people can get a free sample copy by going to worldaffairsbrief.com, clicking on Request a Sample, and you'll get the current brief. Joel, always... And it tells you how to subscribe. Joel, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for this. You're welcome, Richard. Bye now. Bye-bye. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. 